So let's be honest. We're in a bit of a weird place in history, aren't we? Along with many other churches in our country and all around the world, we're trying to find our way forward in the midst of really challenging circumstances. We've struggled from week to week with in-person attendance, never really quite sure how many folks are going to be here. We've struggled a little bit as a church with giving and having enough manpower to make ministries go. We've lost some people along the way. And we're not exactly sure why everything is sort of playing out in the way that it is. We certainly have the blessing of a growing online ministry and folks connecting in with us as a church in that way. And it's great to see that happening and the ministry thriving in, in that respect. But we also miss the faces of folks that we're used to seeing every week. So much has changed for all of us over these last couple of years. And we're continuing to grieve the changes and the losses that we have endured. And we should grieve. Because the losses are real. And there's real pain, real frustration, Real anger oftentimes associated with those losses. We should grieve. Grieving is part of the process of, of healing. And lots of churches are trying to find that healing in the midst of, of the losses. Trying to find a way forward in the midst of uncertain times. And we are no different. We have a lot of questions that don't always have easy answers. However, if we want to thrive as a church in the present and in the future, we have to face these difficult questions and find answers to them together. Over the last couple of years, we've certainly been surviving as a church. Surviving these challenging times. But we need to, wait, uh, to find a way not just to survive, but find a way to thrive and to flourish as the church that God has called us to be in the here and now and in the future. It's time for us to find a way to thrive to move beyond survival mode and step into what God is calling us to do and be. To think about what it looks like for us as the Catanning Free Methodist Church to engage our community, to engage Armstrong County, and really to engage the world with the gospel. Again, there aren't easy answers to get us there. It's not always obvious to us how we can step forward, how we can move forward. But thankfully, 
We're not left to navigate this on our own strength and in our own wisdom. God has provided his word to us to help guide us through such difficult moments. And that's what we're going to look to today. So we're going to start off in the word this morning. If you would turn with me in your Bibles or on your Bible apps to Acts chapter 11, verses 19 through 26. Now those who had been scattered by the persecution that broke out when Stephen was killed traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, spreading the word only among Jews. Some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. The Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. News of this reached the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived and saw what the grace of God had done, he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul, and when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. The disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. Now we can note in the text this morning, or what we can note in the text this morning is, The church is absolutely no stranger to difficult times. Every generation of believers have faced challenges and difficulties. In the early church, they faced tremendous persecution. And many believers were driven from Jerusalem and Judea because of of their faith. And as we saw in Acts, it was Saul's job to track down to arrest and bring believers back to Jerusalem before he encountered Jesus himself on the road to Damascus. It wasn't uh, uncommon for Christians to lose their life because of their faith. They clung so intently to their faith, they would not lay it down even when it would cost them their lives. We saw this in the case of Stephen, who was stoned to death right in front of Saul. Persecution of the church came from the Jewish religious establishment as well as from the Roman Empire. And this meant that living as a Christian came with a tremendous amount of danger. And yet, in the midst of that danger... The church not only survived those difficult times, it thrived. It grew, it multiplied exponentially. To the point that over a very short period of time, Christianity would spread all across the world. To the point of somewhere over about a billion Christians living in the world uh, today. 
the church grew and expanded all over the empire despite efforts to squash or eliminate the faith from a variety of different places. And our passage this morning gives us some insight into how the church navigated this perilous time and managed to grow. And I think we can take these insights and apply them to our current dilemma and move from surviving to thriving as a church. Now, we are certainly by no means experiencing persecution, particularly persecution that those first Christians did. None of us here in this room this morning have any danger of losing our life today because of a confession of faith in Jesus. Now, that might not be true to those who are listening from different parts of, of, of the world, but in this room this morning, none of us have to walk out the door afraid that someone is going to persecute us in that way because of our faith in Jesus. We're not facing that kind of persecution, but our difficulty, our current situation is real nonetheless. We have to find a way forward. We are facing uncertain times, and we can learn from the early church how to flourish and thrive, even with all these crazy things that are going on around us all of the time. It seems like the onslaught of crazy just doesn't let up. It seems like that onslaught of crazy just keeps hammering us day in and day out over and over again. And it's hard to know how to respond. It's hard to know what to do. And it's hard to figure out exactly how to live our faith out in that kind of context. But looking to the early church and how they responded to difficulties can help us as we think about how to move forward. And so we begin where the church began. The church evangelized others. They shared their faith with others, proclaiming a crucified and resurrected Jesus who brings salvation to the world. It would have been easy for them to go into hiding, to circle the wagons, to live in fear for their lives, to stop sharing their faith. That would have been the easy, logical thing. If I don't want to die, I don't share my faith. But there was something more important, more magnificent about Jesus than protecting their own lives. They didn't hide they didn't shrink away. They boldly proclaimed the gospel. Despite the danger that was before them. Despite those who would seek to harm them, harm them. Folks went into other places and they shared their faith. They shared it with Jews. They shared it with Gentiles. They shared it with who needed to hear it, who God led them to share it with. And Luke tells us that the hand of God was with them, and many people came to serve the Lord. Now, 
We can't say for sure that evangelism will lead to massive numbers of people coming to the faith within our community because that's up to God. God's the one responsible for drawing people to him, for changing and transforming people's lives. But that doesn't negate our responsibility as followers of Jesus. We are to be proclaimers of the good news of Jesus Christ. The church flourished despite the obstacles before them when people committed themselves to sharing their faith. It happened when everyday nameless people shared the gospel with others. This, didn't, uh, this growth didn't happen in places because the apostles did it. The apostles were still back in Jerusalem running the church there. The growth that we're seeing that comes in this chapter was just everyday people living out their faith, people like you and me. They weren't special by any stretch of the imagination. They didn't even necessarily have any kind of real training. They just simply followed God's leading in sharing their faith with others. We don't have the names of those who went to Phoenicia or to Cyprus or to Antioch. We don't have the names of those who risked much for their faith, but their efforts were recorded here in Acts nonetheless, and they can be an inspiration to us as well. Healthy churches thrive when the people that are a part of them step out in faith and share that faith with others, trusting that God's hand will be with them and he will add to their number. Listen, this is a really hard truth for us to wrap our heads around. I, I get it. This is difficult. But there is no such thing as a healthy, thriving, flourishing church that doesn't evangelize. It just doesn't exist. We are ambassadors of Jesus to the world. If this isn't part of who we are as the containing Free Methodist Church, then we're going to remain in survival mode. There is no way forward for us as a church that doesn't include intentional effort to show love to our community and to reach the lost for Jesus. Many churches grow, but often do so at the expense of other churches. They attract folks who are unhappy where they are or who think the grass is greener someplace else. And there is certainly a place for other Christians who believe in the work that you are doing and choose to come alongside of you and to help you achieve the, the mission and vision that God has given. But that can only go so far. And there's certainly space to reach out to those who have stopped coming or who have been absent for one reason or another. But true growth in the early church meant people hearing the gospel and then responding to it. True healthy growth for us in the present day 
also requires the same. Should we show the people who have been with us in the past love? Absolutely. Should we continue to pursue those who are are missing? Absolutely. No doubt about it. But true growth, true thriving and flourishing is going to come when we share our faith and when we rely on God to draw people to us. When we rely on God to add to our number, when we rely on God to be faithful in partnership with our faithfulness to share our faith with others. But it doesn't stop there. Churches often focus a lot on the evangelism component and fail to also focus on the next piece of the puzzle. They get so concerned about getting people converted that they fail to put resources and time into discipling folks in the church. A healthy church doesn't stop at getting people to believe in Jesus. They also seek to make disciples, to train people in the faith. In our passage this morning, we see that many people became believers, but they called on Barnabas and Saul to teach them what it means to follow Jesus. Barnabas started the process and eventually recruited Saul to join him. And they spent a year in Antioch teaching the people how to live the Christian life. And this has two, I think, two significant repercussions for us if we seek to thrive as a church in our community. First, it means that we have to learn how to live out our faith. We have to be taught. We need to put ourselves in a position to learn what that means and how to do it. There are a lot of ways that we can learn and be taught. But ultimately, we need to put ourselves in a position so that we can be taught. And there's always more to learn, regardless of our age or our maturity level. There is no arriving at perfect spiritual maturity and knowledge. Some days I certainly like to think so. Some days I certainly like to think that I have arrived, but the reality is... Oh, I'm so far away. And that's true for any of us, wherever we we are at. No matter our age, no matter the amount of wisdom that we have accrued over the years, no matter where we find ourselves, there is always room, there is always space to grow and to learn, to better understand God's character and his nature and what that means for how we, as his followers, as his worshipers, follow after him. We can always learn more about how we live the Christian life well. And we teach ourselves, or we are taught, when we practice worship. We do it through Bible study and prayer. We do this through serving others. We do this individually and we do it corporately. We do it in small groups and we do it in one-on-one relationships. We do it when we are shoulder-to-shoulder together. When we work together, when we serve together, when we fellowship together. There are a, a plethora, use a big word, plethora of different ways 
in which we can learn more about how to live our faith. But we need to put ourselves in the position to do so. It's important for us to humbly accept that there is always more for us to learn, always more room for growth, more that we can learn. We need to put ourselves in the position to do so, to explore the word of God and how we might apply it to our lives. I know that we are all living extremely busy, chaotic, hectic lives full of things to do. But we need to create space in our lives to be taught to live out our faith. Being taught how to do this is a lifelong process. Again, there is no arriving. There are all manner of avenues available to us to do this. We simply must commit ourselves to the process of learning from others. From learning from each other. And the second part of that equation is the importance of teaching others. We need people like Barnabas and Saul who are experienced in the faith and willing to invest in teaching others to do it. Often the objection is that I'm not gifted in teaching or I don't know enough about the faith or I have too many questions myself to help other people answer them. Every once in a while I hear I haven't been a Christian long enough. Although it's fascinating when I've heard that, it's people who have been part of the church and living a life of faith for 30, 40, 50 years. At some point, you've been a Christian long enough. But regardless of our objections or the excuses that we come up with in regards to why we can't impart our faith to others, much of discipleship is simply passing on what you have learned. Whatever stage of faith you're in, it's simply passing on what you have learned to others. It doesn't require a Bible or theology degree to invest in the life or lives of people and to share with them what you know and to seek answers together when you don't know. There is tremendous power. This is an aside. There is tremendous power in saying, you know what? I don't know the answer to that question. Let's go find the answer together. Let's dig into the word together. Let's pray about this together. There is something really powerful and transformative by saying, I don't know. I know early on I spent a lot of time just making stuff up in the hopes that it would be right in my faith. That just creates a lot more problems. There's something more authentic, more genuine, more powerful in saying, I just don't know. Let's go find the answer together. You don't need a certification. You don't have to have a gifting in teaching to take someone under your wing, invite them into your life, and share with them what you know about loving God and serving Him. The last thing that I want to focus on this morning is that all of this, it takes time. 
Things don't happen overnight. Thriving and flourishing generally doesn't happen overnight. It's a process that takes us time. But we're often in a hurry to see results because we live in a culture of instant gratification. We can get entire meals in a matter of minutes thanks to fast food drive throughs like McDonald's. That's for you, Jim. We are trained from a pretty early age to seek what we want and to get it as fast as humanly possible. We even want to see immediate results in our own spiritual life. We want to see that transformation happen in an instant. But spiritual growth in a healthy church don't happen overnight. I think instant coffee is a great illustration of what I'm talking about here. Instant coffee will certainly give you a cup of coffee, if you can call it that. <laughs> but almost nobody would describe it as an awesome cup of coffee. A great or awesome cup of coffee takes time to make. It requires the right beans, the right percolating process, the right measurements, and a tremendous amount of care to get an awesome cup of coffee. And our spiritual life is the same. It takes time to be taught and to teach. It takes time to mature and to grow. And a healthy disciple means a healthy process of learning and teaching. And more of the same over and over and over again throughout our lives. And a healthy church comes from a, a healthy community of disciples who are committed to both evangelism and to discipleship. Which brings me to our take-home point this morning. The most powerful thing we can do to build the kingdom of God through our church is the ordinary, common work of discipleship and evangelism. I know it's not the most exciting thing. I know it's not five steps to a healthier church or ten steps to make your church grow. But this is the most profound thing that I see in the scriptures over and over and over again. The most powerful thing that we can do to build the kingdom of God through our church is the ordinary common work of discipleship and evangelism. Which leads me to our questions for reflection this morning. Number one, in what ways am I doing the work of discipleship and evangelism? And number two, who are the people in my life that I can pray about sharing my faith with? Number three, what are the avenues available to me to learn more about my faith? Number four, what are the avenues available to me to teach others about my faith? And number five, what are the ways I can step into these avenues so that I can both disciple and be discipled?
There has been a lot of ink spilled on the topic of church growth. There have been tens of thousands of books, articles, blogs, podcasts, conferences, all dedicated to the notion of church growth. There are all kinds of uh, 10 steps to church growth formulas, step-by-step plans, marketing plans, magic formulas, social media marketing plans, and the like, that are all meant to help churches grow. But the truth is, churches grow through evangelism, and they grow through discipleship. Now, how we do those things matter. The modes will often change as culture changes, but church, church growth happens when people in churches share their faith, learn more about their faith, live out their faith, and communicate what they have learned with others. The common everyday acts of evangelism and discipleship. These two things are how healthy churches grow. How you move from survival to thriving and flourishing. It's how we saw the church grow in Antioch. People evangelized and Paul and Barnabas spent a year discipling folks. Teaching folks how to understand and live out their faith. That is how church growth will happen here. It will come through our commitment to evangelism and discipleship. We can read all we want about church growth and healthy churches, but evangelism and discipleship are the means by which God will build a healthy and thriving church. Now, I know those things aren't exactly in many of our comfort zones. And many of us have questions about how to do these things well. So with that in mind, over the course of the next several months and throughout the year, we're going to be providing resources to help you learn about how to do these things well. So check out the resource table from time to time. There will be resources there to help you learn learn more about how to do evangelism and discipleship. Right now, there's a book called The Disciple Maker's Handbook which is a really great resource to learn about how to make disciples, to create a lifestyle of disciple making. There are also training courses on Right Now Media that cover topics like evangelism, leading small groups, and others that can help in these areas as well. And I'll be featuring some of these on our Facebook page from time to time. And I'll also post articles, blogs, and podcasts as resources on our Facebook page, too. And finally, over the course of this year, we'll be offering some opportunities for in-person training in evangelism and discipleship as well. So be paying attention. Stay tuned to the different resources as they get pointed out and highlighted to you over this next year. And in the meantime, if you're not part of a Bible study or one of our Bible studies, I'd just like to invite you to to, to connect into one. If none of those work for your schedule, I'd encourage you to start one. I'm happy to help you get started, and I'd also encourage you to consider helping out with one of the ministries that we have going on at the church as well. Nothing quite teaches us about God's faithfulness as serving others. 
you can jump into things like Embrace Grace or the Bloom Boutique or God's Choice or any of the other ministries that we have going on right now. These are all great ways to learn about sharing our faith and how to live it out. Again, because a healthy, thriving church needs its community of believers to be thriving and growing in their faith as well. Would you pray with me? Father, we come to you today recognizing the importance and the power of evangelism and discipleship to be transformative for a church and a community. And Lord, we also understand that, that can be hard for us, it can be scary for us. And so, Lord, we ask that you would give us a heart for evangelism and discipleship, whatever that looks like for us as individuals and, and corporately. Help us to see where we fit in those regards. Help us to find people to share our faith with. Help us to find people that can teach us. Help us to find people who we can pass on what we have learned to, Lord. We pray that your spirit would guide and direct us. And that we would be a healthy, thriving, flourishing church. We pray this in and through the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.